Hello, Conversations with Dwyer listeners. If you are enjoying the podcast, but you want a little bit more, you can become a Patreon subscriber. And for $5 a month, you can get bonus content, bonus episodes, and a podcast that I create solely for Patreon, where I talk to comedians about the music that they like. And you get a pin that was created by Charlene Yee of the, the, the Conversations with Dwyer logo. So please, become a Patreon subscriber. The link is in my show notes under All Things Dwyer, or you can just go to themattdwyer.com. Thank you, and enjoy this episode of Conversations with Dwyer. Welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, that song that played me in is called Some Days. It is from the EP Some Days, and it is by the artist Jay Wood, who is my guest today. Usually that's how that works. Um, I'm very excited to have Jay Wood on the show. We had a really great conversation. If you like that song, and I really like that song, uh, in the show notes are the links to where you could buy that song other songs all things jay wood are in the show notes as well as all things matt dwyer you just go to the mattdwyer.com or click the link in the show notes and explore past guests future guests you can become a patreon subscriber you could hook up to my tiktok amazon or not amazon instagram and twitter twitter where i often make jokes that uh, or political comments that lose me followers because i'm a dirty leftist <laughs> Uh, but whatever, what are you going to do? Um, I believe that's it for my, sh- please check out the show notes. If you're a first time listener, please go to the website in the show notes and explore my past guests. I've had a lot of great guests. Um, I'm really have cultivated a, a multi-generational list of guests of music from, uh, like Van Dyke Parks from who obviously worked with the Beach Boys, Lou, Lou Barlow to new and up and coming artists like Jay Wood. And uh, I've had two Waynes on the show, Wayne Coyne from The Flaming Lips and Wayne Kramer from The MC5. How many podcasts do you know that can claim they had two Waynes? Two Waynes, dare I say, that are legendary. And I'm taking a guess. There's, I can only think of three legendary Waynes in the world. Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Kramer, Wayne Coyne, and maybe Wayne's World. Maybe. I think that one's a little bit more subjective. I, I haven't watched it in probably 20 years, so I don't know. Anyway, enjoy my conversation with Jay Wood and check the show notes by by music. I feel guilt and shame all the fucking time. And for, like no reason some days. Fair. Yeah, you know what? I'm right there with you. So <laughs> Do you, do you know what your stems from at all, or um, my guilt and shame? Um, I mean, religious. I actually, was your family like, religious? My family was religious. Yeah, and uh, I think you know it was a pretty loose. Like I wasn't like very. It wasn't very rigid or anything like that. So maybe it's just like. I'm just like an awkward, embarrassed person. So I just, it, it comes from within. So it's something from the divine that's just bestowed upon me. I, yeah, I feel the same. And like my brothers were all like cool, tough guys. And I just, 
was not like I no, <laughs> like I kind of tried. Yeah, but it just you know. It, I would hit somebody and feel horrible for them. Oh man. Like even if I, I was I, defending myself. Right. It's like, I still think about shit. I did when I was a kid that like embarrasses me to this day. It's like, I'm trying to escape my past, but like my anxious mind grapples onto anything to keep me there. Have you always f- had anxious? Does your mind move quickly a lot too? Uh, it does, but I think I do so much nowadays to keep grounded and to, like, not let it get too far or think too far back that, like, it's calming down. And, you know, weed helps a lot, so that's that's cool. <laughs> or, or, or it does the flip where it's, like, too much, and I'm just like, oh, God, now it's everything everywhere all the time. So I'm trying to find – I used to drink, and that really mm. helps just – Slow the brain down. And, oh yeah, and the organs, and the body, all the things. You know, <laughs> rapidly slows you down. But I, I was, yeah, I can't find him. I'm still experiment. I can't find my weed. What works for me? You know, I've been smoking a lot of the diet weed, like the CBD sativa or the CBD indica stuff, where it's like it's not too spiky in terms of like the the THC uh intake but like I still get a bit of that that tingy feeling that kind of activates all the creativity and all that stuff. I need that. That's what I Yeah, need. I, you got to get the CBD stuff. CBD um sativa blends and you'll be like, "All right, I'm chill, but I feel like something's kind of moving around up there, which is nice." Cuz I'll f- I'll like have like one sort of passing ne- negative thought and you latch on to it. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll be like, oh, I'm a horrible person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so real. It's just like, oh, man. Then you just go down this horrible tunnel. Of like, I also did this, too, and I've done this, too. And I'm like, oh, by the time you're you're out of that mindset, you're like, I don't deserve to, like, not ever feel this way. <laughs> D- deserve. That's an interesting word because I feel like. I don't know. I feel like recently I came to that sort of realization where I was like, oh, I never felt like I deserved certain things in my life. Oh, interesting. Did you, do you ever, do I ever feel like I deserve things? Or like don't deserve things? I, I you know, I I feel like for so long I felt like back when my angsty, you know, depressive teenage life, I was like, ah, do I even deserve to be happy? Because I would latch on to those times where I've been an asshole or been bad. I'm like, maybe I don't deserve to be. Then I'm like, you know what? Maybe everyone deserves to be happy in some some extent, you know? Like, you know, um, I think even murderers deserve to be happy within their jail cell. <laughs> you <know>? like, <laughs> like you're, you're, you're stuck there. You don't get to have happiness in the world. You got to have happiness internally um, after finding some kind of peace within perhaps. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think everyone deserves it a bit. I wonder what, like I, I was, I've been, th- I don't know if this is too abstract, but I've been thinking about mm. how, I watched this video of this person talking about how we're so much of us of who we identify as is socialized and how we have to sort of, and I'm like, fuck, if are we all just like social, especially like guilt and what we deserve? Yeah. I'm like, this is just this like puritanical nightmare that has just been pounded into our heads. You know, it's funny, um, due the pandemic, that whole social aspect is taken out and now we're just feeling it from ourselves. So it's like we're doing <laughs> guilt and all these horrible things internally. It's like, oh damn! It's like as soon as we're able to actually see people again, 
it's going to be two times the amount of guilt and shame we feel because it's like, oh, everyone during the pandemic has done so much stuff and they were able to be productive. And then it's like people are like, what did I do? And then they have to go and talk about that this time and like kind of move forward thinking about, I don't know, like all the wasted time that they potentially have had. It's just like, oh, who knows? Guilt did you shame. Get, did you get a lot done during the pandemic? Were you... Or was I... I was like, I got a lot done, especially in 2020. Like I made like a giant list of to do's and, uh, I got everything done Damn. and, uh, yeah, I, w- I was very happy. But then towards the end of it, I was just like, I'm burnt out. I'm cooked. And now I'm feeling like I'm hitting that, 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 uh, that I'm out of energy thing. But it's funny because now as I'm running out of energy, things are reopening and I'm like, fuck, I have to reboot somehow. So, <laughs> It's just like, ugh. <laughs> I don't know where it's going to come from, but it'll have to be pulled out of my ass. Did you, like, you feel like you're tapped creatively right now or, or just at everything? I think creatively I am at a at a weird crossroads of, like, I, I'm, like, honed in on working on this new album. So I'm, like, just, like, fully tunnel-visioned in on that. So I think I can squeeze all my creativity there. Um, and I have a lot of ideas and plans to do other stuff. So I think I've realized my creativity is just like going everywhere. It's just like, I really have to like hone in and just lock onto something and just throw it all into one thing at a time. Otherwise I will not get anything done because the motivation isn't behind the creativity right now. (laughs) And it's so hard to find that motivation these days. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, really enjoyed not dealing with the world maybe that's yeah maybe i'm no. broke. Uh, yeah i feel the exact same way like i i'm an introvert so like the first half of this pandemic i was like oh i don't have to see people that can be home all the time perfect i felt recharged i was like man i'm killing this thing i'm having such a great time but <laughs> it got to a point <laughs> where i was just like okay even I'm like, I should probably make plans to see people. So it's like, that's when, you know, it's like pretty bad when it's like all the introverts I know are like, yeah, I kind of want to go to like a party. It's like, Oh shit, we're really in this thing. Huh? Yeah. It took a, it took a year to feel that way, but I'm wondering so. if like when I'm around a lot of people, like we went to a restaurant with, a, and it was, I was just like, wow, this is just like, it was taxing. Like it was so much stimulation with the sound. Wow. And it was yeah. just like, it was. I was like, "Oh man, can't we just order in?" <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to that. You know, I, and the thing with ordering. I, where are you based? Are you outside Los Angeles? Okay, so you got like a, like a plethora of different things and different food and different activities to do. Here in my small city, it feels even smaller now because I've exhausted all my orders. Like I, I all my to-go restaurants. I'm like I've eaten here a billion times in this thing, and it's no longer special. And I, I, I just crave new food so badly and I don't have the motivation to cook. So I'm like, what the fuck do I do? You know? It's yeah. It's a terrible position to be in. Yeah. I do all the cooking for my house and it just gets in the house. I, I speak like I own a house. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it's, I, I'm just like, fuck. I just, you get to that point too, where you're just like, oh, at first it was like, I'm going to cook all these crazy yeah. things. And now I'm like, Hey, guess what? It's spaghetti again. It's spaghetti again. You know what? I, I feel like I'm never not down for spaghetti. So that's always, yeah. that's always nice. You know, having those 
two or three things that you're like, you know what? I'm never sick of this. <laughs> I'm never sick of it. I'm like, I, I very much envy dogs right now that just eat the same thing over and over and never complain. I'm like, damn, y'all have it so easy. And they're always excited. <laughs> always excited. Always excited. And just so cool with the mundane life they have. It's freaking a joy to watch them. What uh, what city are you in? I can't remember. For some reason, I was I'm thinking- in Winnipeg. Oh, that's right. Winnipeg in the middle of Canada. And fun fact about Winnipeg, we are currently the worst for COVID in all of North America. Really? Yep. So are you still- I don't- I know I have a friend in Toronto and she was saying it was pretty like a couple weeks ago. It was really still pretty bad there. It was really bad there here. We are currently in a a lockdown again, but we had just opened up guidelines a little to have groups of five people sit in parks at least and, you know, talk and hang out before everything was completely locked down. But now we can at least socialize in parks, but there's still no bars, there's no restaurants, there's no gyms, no anything really, no events. Did uh, everyone's, because I, I know a lot of people who just went off the rails with booze during, <laughs> I, I, I yeah. might be one of them. <laughs> just go, popping off. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people just went headfirst into the bottle at this time just because they're like, fuck, I don't know what else to do. Yeah, it's it got... At least I wasn't morning drinking. I had some friends who yeah. were... Who were I, I think they just lost track of what time it was. That's totally... <laughs> you know what? That was me last summer. I was just, like, drinking... Um, I had these, like, pink lemonade uh, beer rattlers things that I just, for whichever reason, didn't connect in my brain. Like, oh, this is booze. And I'm, like, just drinking them casually throughout the day. And I'm, like, oh, I'm, like, kind of drunk right now. I'm, like, I've been drinking all day and not even paying attention to it. I'm, like, no more. I'm not buying any more beer or anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, with this new album that you've been working on, are you kind of like looking for a new, I don't know, it's kind of a, I'm bumbling this out of my mouth. I, 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 <laughs> but I mean, I, like, I feel like from the music that I've listened to, you've, you've kind of, everything keeps going in slightly different directions and like mm-hmm. you challenge yourself. I was just curious if you knew, do you, start with that approach or do you just sort of like is it a approach of discovery um i think it is kind of a, an approach of discovery like i have an idea that like i never really want to just do if i do an idea i don't want to do the same idea like five more times like all right i did that what else have i not done that i really want to try or in the genre that i've been really into and like i want to take elements from that and try to do a, my version of it um, so it was a lot of that on, it's been a lot of that on this new project of just like, okay, where haven't I touched or what have, what are some ideas that I've tried before, but haven't been able to like perfect. So it was a lot of going back and looking through what I've done and being like, okay, I want to try this again with this new influence and try to meet it in the middle and marry those two ideas and be like, I, I tried this before, but I'm getting it down now. And it was a lot of that and just exploring new sounds and new ideas and just trying new things. And it's been a really fun time. Does that take longer? Because like, I was just thinking, like, as you said that, because you have work, a body of work already. So you're like, all mm-hmm. right, if you're constantly challenging yourself, which is great, yeah. I commend you for that. Because so many of us don't. <laughs> <laughs> Personally and creatively. Mm-hmm. But like, 
does because then you have more to sort of filter through i guess yeah uh it definitely does take longer i think in in my mind i'm always like I have so many ideas because I listen to so many different bodies of music. Like I'll just go, I I did this experiment where I was like, you know what? I'm going to look at funk music set in the 90 or wherever it was like the 1970s, but everywhere outside of North America. So I went to like India, like I was listening to music from India, Japan, um, all these other places and like listening to one style of music in different places and being like, Oh, they do this differently. And like being able to pick up little things that kind of build off what I've already been doing, because I've only really been listening to like North American funk music, which is great. Um, but there's so much other cool, so many cool ideas elsewhere that I'm like, okay, maybe I can spin it and give it a new flavor on, on what I've been doing to kind of make it feel fresh and new again. That's so wild. kind of doing stuff. Yeah. Doing stuff like that was something I was really into last year. Um, I was like really big on like, you know what? I'm only going to listen to music by black artists for a while. I did that last year as well, where like for maybe six months, I only listened to black artists and I was only being inspired by black people because for so long I was only listening to like indie music and just like not feeling anything inspiring from it. And I, I just opened the door a bit to just black artists and I was like, I have been I've been robbing myself of like all this influence here because immediately I was like the ideas are just circulating in my brain. I was like, holy shit, I got to do this more and make an effort to keep looking for new stuff to inspire me. There's so much I want to attack in that those are because I want to <laughs> No, cuz like going to listen to like Japanese funk music, like I'm just like blown away by like even thinking to do that is like super cool to me and then like what that because you know i've like listened to like career vietnamese garage rock and mm. a dude I, who actually comes out this thursday is from a, a montreal band teke teke do you know them teke teke they're kind no, of no i don't think i do they're That's a cool name they're japanese or two of the members are japanese but it's like influenced by uh, surf rock but then there's like a whole and we talked about this guy from Japan in the 60s who was doing like gu- surf guitar music but influenced by also by like um, sort of native or folk Japanese music so his style was like a mix of and it was like just going down that conversation with him I was like holy fuck like I love yeah. how just everything at some point is inevitable that it's going to intermingle and be influenced totally it's all very very incestuous in that sense where it's like if you're in a region you will absorb everything from that region and I was like I'm, I'm very much um, trapped in a place um, physically but I think sonically I can kind of go anywhere at any time as well so I tried to take full advantage of that I was like listening to a lot of Afrobeat music for a while um, listening just like going into weird places listening to world music and just I think um, I, I, I've started work, I started working on this project before entering the pandemic so I look forward to being done this project and moving into something completely different. So like, do you already have ideas of what you want to move into? Like you're already picking up those sort of nuggets of a bit. Like I have a few ideas and things I definitely want to try. And that's exciting because when I was working on my last album, it felt like that was the wall. Like after that, I was like, there's nothing else. I have nothing more, but I, 
working on an album and then having the ideas of where where I want to pivot to next, it's already happening and that's really exciting. Because I'm like, all right, I, I still got some juice in me even in this pandemic. <laughs> even in this pandemic, it didn't wear me down too much. I, I'm still still kicking. Uh, why do you did you find yourself mostly listening to like uh, indie white guy music or white white? That's just what's what? been around me. Like I'm I'm surrounded by just white people. Like being in Winnipeg, I'm not really exposed to a lot of black people. Um, the only time, every time I enter America, I'm just always like, holy shit, there's black people shopping. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's like just not a thing I see really, which is such a, a shame because it's like just black people being in, in places that I go to. Like, oh, black people in Zellers, black people in Zellers. Why the fuck did I say Zellers? Zellers <laughs> haven't existed in so long. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. Oh my God! It's like this Canadian. Uh, like it's like a what's up from um, um, Walbergs or whatever that place is. Not a Walberg. Walmart. I don't know. Like a Walmart. It's like one of those. Um, but yeah, just black people everywhere. I don't get to see that really in Winnipeg. So like, what I'm mostly exposed to is just like a lot of indie music, and I have to really do a lot of searching on my own, and be kind of picking and just finding music all the time is such a. I have a, this conversation kind of often where it's like, how do you look for music? You know, it's like when I was younger, it was something I was just doing all the time. But like, as I get older, I feel like I get comfortable and like listening to the same, whatever, 10 songs I listen to. And I'm like, I hate this. I'm just like not stimulating myself creatively. So it's like, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? What do I, I want to be inspired by? And like, I was like, oh, I want to be inspired by myself. And by part of that was being inspired by people that look like me that, you know, I can connect with. So I had watched the um, hip hop evolution, which is this awesome doc documentary on Netflix. And I finally, for the first time, like really dove into hip hop and rap music on my own accord, because for so long, um, I was being recommended rap music from like white people and I'm like you know what I don't need that I don't fucking need that so like having this pocket of time to just like do it on my own and like make my own opinions about things and choose the things I like was just really cool and then I just doubled down I was like alright what inspired them um, where are they, what are they doing now um, okay they mentioned this person in an interview I'm gonna go listen to that person and then I just kind of went down this web of influence and I just like stumbled across a whole new, just a, a new realm of um, stuff to just explore. So that's been really exciting. Yeah. I, I, I definitely want to, when I'm done talking to you, find some Japanese funk. I, you know what? I, I'll send you some of the stuff I was listening to. Uh, Cause there was, like, I, well, no, no artists come to mind currently. Like it's like a, like, I was just like, I put a radio on from like one song I like, and I just didn't even look. I was just like listening to music. I'm like, this sounds cool. I like that, like that. But uh, I'll, I'll send you the radio I was listening to. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Is that the, because there's an, somebody told me there's an app where you could go to a country, like pick it. Yeah. It's yeah. called, uh, I think it is called uh, radio. Yes. It's like I was using that for a bit. And um, like it was really cool. But I feel like me, like, I've been so programmed into Spotify and like something that looks familiar that I'm like, oh, I gotta like do this on Spotify just to keep track of all my stuff and have it all in one place. It's so. kind of hard not to think of where music potential, now that people have so much access to so many different 
influences yeah. musically, like where where the possibilities of what we could end up with is is kind of encouraging. It's, it's limitless, really is. Like, it's like if you go to any region, any time, and then look up a genre, it's going to be different. It's going to be changing. It's going to be evolving. It's going to be something completely weird because it's like what is influencing people regionally? What is influencing people from overseas? Because North America really is the hub of influence when it comes to most 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 genres like you know like jazz and like blues influence ja- like j- Japanese culture and there's this really weird incestuous um, relationship between Japan and hip hop that I don't know why or how it exists and one day I want to have like a Vice series where I'm like why do black people love anime so much and like why do black people love Japan so I'm like I just want to go back to Japan that's really what I want to do but I want Vice to pay for my trip there but like I want just like a series of just like trying to understand why the relation between black culture and Japan exists and it's just so it's so seamless. I don't know what it is, but the two things seems to really in, influence each other hand in hand. And it's just so I don't know what it is. It's so weird. Yeah, I that's have you seen anything remotely like written or theorized about that anywhere or is nothing that... nothing at all i've just seen i've i've seen talk like i've seen like genius interviews about like how um like you know anime has inspired rap music and then how rap music has inspired anime and then like how uh, jazz music has inspired um 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 japanese culture and japanese jazz has inspired it's just like going back and forth hand in hand and it's constantly elevating the two things, and for whichever reason, is a very invisible force. And I don't know why the two things are just they just feed into each other yeah. so seamlessly. Because, yeah. like, I think, like, I think, I off the top of my head, like, I know Wu Tang Clan had a lot of. There you go. You know, like and I never thought about it at all. But I'm like, that's f- wild. It's it's crazy. Like every black person I know loves anime. Every single black person I know loves anime. And I'm like, okay. And every <laughs> black person I've ever encountered loves anime. Are you and every, I love anime. I, I was in, into anime as a kid, and it's something I haven't watched recently, but, like, I'm always thinking about it in the back of my mind. Like, I should watch anime again. I don't know what it is. <laughs> like, I, I, It's just something really inspiring. It's something very real. I don't know. Like, even Meg the Stallion loves anime. And it's like, that's not by happenstance that, like, one of the biggest, one of the biggest rap artists of our generation loves anime. I'm just like, I don't know. There's something there, maybe. I don't know what, what I would do, but <laughs> I just want to figure it out and talk to some people and be like, why is this the case? That, it, How is this the case? It's, yeah, I haven't invested a lot of time in anime, so now I'm like, now I want to watch anime. Go watch anime. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll be like, damn, he's onto something here. <laughs> I just, yeah, there's, I think you should explore that. I really do. Like, I want to. I want to. And keep it in my back pocket. <laughs> so you know, when I got some, when I got enough influence, I'll be like, somebody pay me to go do this thing that I've just been wondering about. Actually, I just want, I just want to go back to Japan. I just want to do it. How? When did you go to Japan? I've never. I want to go there. Let oh, me man, work I, with you, just so I. Yeah, can let's, just... let's do it. Let's collab. <laughs> I mean, let's do it. Painting with John and Jay would collab. Let's go, baby. There you go. Um, I like it. Um, I went in 2015. And immediately I was like, wow, I feel very much like a piece of something was just like very much at peace. I was like, wow, 
this place is incredible. Everything about it, the efficiency, the people, the culture, um, just the scenery, everything about it is just, man, un- like, it's just amazing. Love it. There was a brief period in my life where I was depressed and miserable. Who am I kidding? Oh, that wasn't brief. <laughs> <laughs> but, there was this much of time. <laughs> but I have had friends who've went to Asia, Japan, and Korea specifically to like teach mm. English, and not yeah. even like the technical. It's just like conversational. I was like, I can. Yeah. And I was like, I was this close to bailing on just. I'm like, I'm going to go live in Korea or Japan and just fucking disappear. Dude, that was what I was planning on doing, too. Like, every Westerner I encountered over there was teaching English. Every single one of them um, was like, I'm here teaching English. It was incredible that, like, every person that just looked like they weren't from there was doing the same thing. So, I'm like, that's not by chance either. (laughs) I think think everyone has the same idea that you had right there. Plus, you know, my country is about to really just fully collapse. (laughs) Kind of has it coming. Karmically, America has it coming. (laughs) America has had it coming for a while. I never know what the state of America is. Like, every time I look, I'm like, I think it's okay. Like, I see New York has reopened and I'm like, I, I guess it's moving in a good direction, but I'm like, but what about all that other stuff that was going on over there? Like, is that taken care of? There's a bunch of anti-mask rallies going on. There's a bunch of other stuff happening. I'm like, I never know. I don't. It's with America. It's. I think this is the beginning of it getting really fucking weird here. Like that's. Oh my, man. So if you have a couch, uh, I'm gonna <laughs> come crash with you for a while. <laughs> Sounds good. You know, I'll make some space, clean off some stuff. Did, mm. uh, but you, when you were a kid, didn't you? Didn't your mom have play a lot of music and have an influence in that regard, if I'm not yes. mistaken? Um, yeah, so my mom, like, played a lot of, like, soul music, gospel, like, reggae, soca. I was really only listening to, like, funny enough, like, black artists for my mom and just, like, other stuff, um, like uh, Bill Withers, um, Teddy Pendergrass, um, Al Green, just stuff in that vein. And that was really what I was listening to when I was listening to music with her. And then I was really kind of interested in like 90s, early 2000s pop music. Like I was, I I loved Usher. Like I loved just everything in the vein of what what was the top 40 at that time because music in the 90s was just so fun. Like there were so many one hit wonders and there's something about like people existing for a second and like you don't have to fall in with them. Like I've I've seen so many people come and go in like the music um, back then that it's just like, okay, I got, they gave me one thing I like, I never have to worry about seeing them again. Um, Oh, that sounds like modern day dating in a weird, (laughs) weird way. <laughs> um, it's an allegory for Tinder these days. Um, <laughs> like, uh, uh, yeah. So, like, I would listen to a lot of pop music and just a lot of. I mean, a lot of things were new. Like, I remember when um, we have a Canadian band called Billy Talent here. Uh, when they debuted their like debuted on TV, that was the heaviest music I've ever heard at that point. And listening to it now, it's like this is just punk music. And like I, like we had a, a TV um, station called Much Music was essentially um, MTV, um, and I was just that was what I would watch religiously as a kid. So anything that was coming on there was how I was discovering music on my own. 
and I was constantly listening to the radio as well. So pop music and then whatever much music was showing me. So I was getting music from all angles at a young age. Did you did you feel like a pull to create it right away, or was it or? You know, it didn't think like at the time, and I think this is why I think representation is such an important thing. Whereas, like at the time, I didn't think it was something I could actually do. Like there were, for a long time, a lot of the music, like, a lot of black music was like soul and R and B, and there was a very hard line in that. But I liked all types of music, and the music that I maybe I never thought to make music until I was a teenager, until I was able to play a guitar. I was like, oh, I can do this. And I think uh, the band Block Party was the first time I had saw a black artist in the indie scene. Like, you know, front person, black, making music. I was like, okay, so there, there is a way to, like, you know, there is an avenue for me here. And there's another band called Dance Gavin Dance, which is like this post-hardcore band, and their guitarist is a black dude. And I'm like holy shit, like, okay, I can actually play music in in this realm and not feel like, you know, I'm like an outsider. So I really, um, when I was younger, the thought was never there. But as soon as I was seeing more people pop up in, in different areas and in the area, in the music I liked, I was like, maybe I could try that too. You know, like I was super inspired. Like I, Kurt Cobain was like one of my favorite musicians when I was learning how to play guitar because Part of that was because he wasn't very good, but like he made good songs. Like he wasn't like you know shredding on the guitar, and I think it was a very accessible uh, band to get into music with. So that was where I was really influenced by. And then from there, the next thing up was like the the two bands I mentioned. Where I was like, okay, there's more more areas in which I can be inspired by, and uh, yeah, I'm just seeing more people that look like me do it. Is that also difficult in Winnipeg where you said there's not like it's a lot of white yeah it's uh so in Winnipeg like when I first entered the music scene and even to this day like there's only one other black kid in the music scene here that and like him and I are good friends now but like I remember when he first when I was playing I was the only black person really playing shows and I think it was that way for three years and then he popped up and I he was like, oh, man, you know, I, I'm really doing this because I saw you doing it. And I'm like, I'm glad that, like, I was able to kind of help him kind of navigate this easier. So I was like, you know what? This, a part of it is just powering through, you know, the bullshit of, like, you know, there isn't representation, so I will be the representation and hopefully open the doors for other people. But I hope that moving forward, post-COVID, a lot of people just feel inspired to do some cool stuff and be creative. How did that? That must have felt great when that guy comes out. That was that was awesome. That was a one of those moments where I was like, "Holy shit! Like this is why I do this. You know, this is why this is what I've always wanted to try to you know accomplish is to hopefully make a difference, hopefully to impact or inspire somebody. This is this is great, and I it was and like now we're great friends. I'm like giving him all the tips. I'm like, hey, you know what? I want to I want to be there for you any way I can because I know how how hard it can be and you know I want to help out any way that is beneficial for you and yeah a really great friendship has been made from them and I think can help moving forward it's going to be more people yeah more people yeah I mm-hmm. talked to uh, Karu Ishibashi from Kishibashi and he's Whoa, what's a 
I, I think no, no, no. the band <laughs> name is Kishibashi, and his his first name is Karu. And I, it's ish, I think I'm, I'm hope I might be fucking up his last name, but it's a mix. It's a play on his band's name. Okay, so I was, I was like that whole thing said. Now, that said, it's so cool. Okay. Yeah, I think Karu Ishibashi is his name. But Karu he, Ishibashi. He was saying the same thing of like he was like because he's Japanese. It's like there was it was indie rock when he got on board and he's 45. Yeah. He was like it was all skinny white guys, and he's yep. like there was no one to look and he played with of Montreal and then he ended up going solo but he was like there was nobody and now he gets the same thing that you get he's like people yeah. come up to me and I would hope like it would be great for indie rock because it is kind of you know <laughs> it, it, the thing is like um, yeah there there really is um, a lot like how um, post rock is very is becoming more fluid and it's um in its description, I think indie rock or indie music has become more elusive and like it, it's changing a lot and it's like it's gone through so many different eras. Like I remember maybe five years ago, it was all about the bedroom pop era. So it was all about kids eighteen to twenty-one doing music out of their house, really simple beats and getting mad plays on Spotify and then boom, that whole era disappeared and now it's on to something else that I, I'm not, I'm not even sure what era of the indie realm we're in, but I have a feeling just from, you know, COVID and um, the BLM movement and just everything that the music industry has to pivot. Otherwise they will be, it, it will be under scrutiny. And especially at a time when it's needing people more than it, like people need it. Yeah, they have to pivot that. Otherwise, they're going to be hurting way more. So, part of pivoting that is inclusivity. I can never say this word. Inc- Making it more inclusive. <laughs> You're talking to a guy who struggles with words all the time. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes in interviews, I'll say something. I'm like, I think I used the wrong word. And sometimes I'll see the person's face go. I'm like, oh, fuck. oh damn it! You know, keep moving. Sometimes you got to commit. <laughs> Keep, you got to commit to your error. Like, yeah, inclusive could be and anyway. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Hey. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> it needs to be more inclusive. Otherwise, it, it will just be hurt when it reopens. It yeah. was during the pandemic, there was a lot of pl- places closing or almost closing that were institutions. And I was one of people behind, like, oh, man, that's really sad that closed. And I was like, no, this is good. Yeah, These things- something new can come out of it. Yeah, and I feel like yeah. that with... You know, I we I don't know why we get so enamored with something that's existed. Like there's like the Second City Theater in Chicago was, which is also in Toronto, was like they almost closed. I was like, this would be the best thing for the comedy. Those the comedy scenes in those cities would flourish with yeah. the, the absence of these places that have too strong of a same with a lot of the music venues who just book the same shit over and over. It's like, exactly. move on, man. Exactly. Exactly. Like the thing that is nice about Winnipeg is it's so small that, um, you can actually make a difference and you can actually really make your own things and programs and people will kind of go and go gravitate towards them. Like, Part of you know being um, part of the the indie scene for as long as I have been and making my own connections and meeting people is that you know upon reopening I I have a job at like a venue and I'm like I want to do the booking I want to be the person kind of choosing and helping shape 
what the next era of the music scene should be because it needs to change. So that's, I, I, I really want to start like a little DIY space and just get more creatives happening and give people more of a platform to just like have a first show and to just, just be, be able to like be seen and be heard and, you know, have a crowd there. So that's what I really hope I can do. Yeah, that's yeah. that was my sort of hope too for sort of for all art forms really is that it becomes mm. more of a DIY and like I just recently learned about how so many of the gal like art art galleries dictate what is especially the big New Yorkies where they're just like oh I can only imagine you know they pick somebody and it's like there's a yeah. bunch of people who are doing the same thing but they're like we're gonna pick this person <laughs> and yeah. it's like and then that got that person becomes really famous or expensive and it's like yeah it's but you can't and it's all subjective too it's like it's all subjective in the art it's all so it's something for everybody and i think in only having one thing be presented it's only allowing one form of opinion to be around yeah especially if it's in such a like a, like winnipeg being the small city it is it's very clicky so a band that obviously isn't great is popular and liked they're going to get more shows, not because they're good or deserve it, just because people like that those that group of people. I've seen so many shitty bands. And I'm like, <laughs> ugh, like I, I don't want to. Like the thing, like, I'm like if after this pandemic, I have to pay ten bucks to see a band I don't give a fuck about. What was the point of this pandemic? <laughs> what was the point of all this like change and like all these new opinions and all these new ideas forming? You know, like if we're just going to go back to those comforts. Yeah. Do you feel that this conversation that we're having and these thoughts is? Are you seeing this elsewhere? Are other people having this dialogue? Or you know, I haven't the first. Are we the? Maybe we're the first. <laughs> Maybe we are the first. I I think for so long. Um, you know, female-led has been a discussion within the whole music industry, whereas, like, a lot of uh, festival bookers or a lot of festival, um, um, like, players will be like, I'm not playing a festival without at least 50% female artists. Um, I think what is happening, maybe, I think and hope, is that, all right, we need to see more other people be represented because, you know, not only is it, I think just the, the whole idea of the white faced like white face band that sounds so scary <laughs> sounds so scary <laughs> of like the uh, just like the white dude band is yeah. being dismantled. It's like it, it's slowly becoming like if you are a band of four white guys, good fucking luck to you because no matter what you're doing, we've already seen that for like fifty years of what the music industry was. And I think what needs to happen is especially for festivals. Um, there needs to be just more diversity, more different people being on those stages and more people um, being represented. Otherwise, we do we just won't move forward. So I, I think we're I, I haven't really talked a lot about this with a lot. Like anytime it's come up, I, I say the same thing to everybody. But I I'm hoping that me talking about it, somebody else somewhere else is talking about it. I 
fingers crossed. I'm looking at festivals, like whatever's being booked. And I'm like, okay, there's a person of color. There's this person. I don't know any of these people, but that's good. They're new people. So one yeah. of unfamiliar and familiar is what I'm noticing on festival bookings. Yeah. I don't know if I'm a good judge because I am sort of immersed in it and I avidly seek out variety, but I feel like yeah. I see more, definitely see more women in queer uh, yep. And like you said, there's more of a fluidity. Like I feel like, yeah, I feel like when I was younger, there was a music was definitely like very like. Uh, now I can't. Now the word, won't come to me. but <laughs> like it was word. segregated. I guess would be yeah. the word. Like it was very like. Totally. The radio stations play this in Chicago, and then there was mm-hmm. this station and that station, and it was like. And now I feel like it's become over the decades more fluid and intermingled and even what is like you said what's considered indie music has become more which it's i think changing. is healthy i just hope yeah we don't like you said if we keep talking about it and you know we have to keep pushing that because otherwise yeah. it, the money fuckers will get settled into whatever they don't give a fuck <laughs> exactly no beautifully said you know i was lucky enough to have actually i i was very lucky enough. i totally for didn't forget but i uh I think last year I had a conversation with um, Matthew James Wilson, who is a writer for Forge magazine. And he did this amazing article about um, uh, being black in the indie scene. And in that article, a lot of what it's talking about is just how the current indie scene, like the white led indie scene has been pretty much um, it's been privileged. It's been, um, kind of appropriating from black influence first. Like a lot of um, punk music was inspired by the bird brains and stuff like that. Like, it's just like, there are so many things that, you know, like all these bands took from like black people and then they made a scene and then pretty much segregated black people out of it. And I think part of, you know, re-entering, re-entering the indie scene is kind of taking back what is already kind of, inherently inspired by black people to begin with. Um, it, it is a great article and I'm probably butchering it. I read it based on uh, when I was researching you, I stumbled upon mm-hmm. it and I read it. And then it's I've, so good. And yeah, I was even paper. reading about how, and I mean, it's local influence. Bad brains, bad brains. I fucked up. I can't, I couldn't let that get by me. <laughs> <laughs> I just always live in fear that I, I'm going to be referenced here. Someone's going to reference something. I'm like, oh, fuck. I, well, now I got to look that up. <laughs> I got to double check, back check myself. But like, a lot of fake news. You know, like if uh, funk, funk music was big in D.C. And like I know, like I was reading about how Fugazi, like they, they have a big funk influence on their, like their rhythm section and mm-hmm. or like, you know, their drums and bass. And I was like, yeah, it's just, it's so intermingled. But yeah, it's. I was when you were this is the second time I thought of this, but it's like it's almost like music colonial. See now here's another word. I <laughs> get colonial colonial colonialism. It is music it's colonialism. The same thing. It's yeah, the exact totally. same thing. When you think about the biggest blues artists right now and how the fact that they're probably a white dude, you like you gotta understand that's something there's something wrong with that fundamentally. <laughs> like very wrong with that. Like I think, like, if people go back and talk about respects to a genre, it's like, blues was created 
in slavery and the fact that now white people are taking it and doing not that that's a bad thing you're always allowed to be influenced by culture sure of course but the i think there is a level to like i guess knowing where you occupy it if like a blues festival is predominantly white people it's like yeah no no, that's not it you Let's know? just get a few things out about white people in blues. Eric Clapton can fuck himself. <laughs> oh my god! I don't know what like oh what a fucking idiot. Uh, and then anti-masking, people... anti-vaxer. It's like dude. And when idiot. people are like, he's so great. I'm like, yeah. Have you heard fucking Buddy Guy? Have <laughs> <laughs> you heard Jimi Hendrix? Like, come on. Yeah, it's like Eric Clapton. You know. He, he did whatever um not smoke on the water um sunshine of my love who cares oh yeah man? yeah who cares <laughs> cocaine who cares? cocaine is his that's what somebody pointed cocaine. out that he was like anti like complaining about the vaccine it was like oh from the guy whose biggest song is cocaine <laughs> so fucking true it's like really yeah you're gonna complain about that okay yeah very good point Great point. Oh, your vaccine threw your uh, your body off? How about a coke <laughs> binge? He's like, that, that'll do it. Uh, <laughs> who's the guy that was doing that song with him? There was another guy. Oh, Van Morrison, who's also just... That's the one. Another, uh, I've read about him for... Like, he's just a, a, like a notorious fucking... Like, wouldn't even speak to his musicians. I'm like, who the fuck... Oh, like, you don't speak to a, your band? Like, go fuck yourself. What an ego to be that. Why, I don't, you know what? I don't care how good you think you are. Ego is the worst thing that you can allow into your life, especially when it just poisons those relationships. I always wonder if, like, if when those guys get diagnosed with, like, you know, at the end of their life, they're like, well, it's terminal. Do they just go yep well i'm gonna die a great guy or do they go oh fuck i really like i've been an asshole like does it all click because i yeah, don't think like if i got sick i'd be like okay like i need to apologize to not for to redeem you know myself what? in the afterlife just as a human okay. being if we're bringing this whole conversation full circle the amount of shame they must feel in that time <laughs> when they look back at their lives and be like shit i i was an asshole i was a dick but I'm like us because we're pretty pretty stand up guys, you know. We, we we try our best. I'm like us. Um, they have to. They don't have the time, and they don't have the like. They, they they've already exhausted all of that. Yeah, like, man. I was a piece of shit, and especially now with um, the culture of accountability of like after you die. Not only are you off like anything you've done that is shitty, it's like, no, 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 no. We're going to like assess your life now and pretty much be like, oh, but this and this and this. You know what? Fuck you. You're dead. You're gone. We're not respecting you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you think you have a legacy, but now your legacy has a giant poop smear on it because it's like <laughs> this is coming out and this is coming out. And people are talking about it because they're not afraid that you're going to send a lawyer after them to collect the paycheck or something, or like to be like, shut up. Don't talk about this. You know? Yeah. I've wondered like too, somebody who's that like going back to, you mentioned bringing it back to full circle, like the socialization, like how much of that stuff is just you layered on that you create out of fear and just like not Mm. allowing yourself. Like if it's like, if you're that fucked up, if you could have been a free minded person and like, 
yeah. gotten rid of those walls and that bullshit, maybe you would have been even more brilliant. Or maybe I'm just totally. Maybe that's too much I, of the weed talking. <laughs> <laughs> if you just opened your mind, man, but that's like, like come on, like I've I been, you're onto something there. I've been like, cause I used to like meditate and like, and I've been trying to get back to that sort of like Buddhist and like looking at that, just like breaking down, like who the, like, who have I, self. yeah, like, cause I feel like mm-hmm. I've, for years, there was a performative aspect to who I was of course, to sort of, yeah. it, it was a survival mechanism, but it's like, all right, time to strip that off and be like, who, who the fuck is under there? Who am I when I'm on my own? Yeah. I think that is so real. I think. I, I think because we live in this very socially driven world, it's like the self is kind of something you push to the side. And a lot of what people do um, is kind of almost curated. It's almost to be and be presented a certain way. Yeah. I think a lot of people are afraid to miss, like FOMO is always a thing that people are like putting in front. It's like, I have to be at this thing, even if I don't want to go to it, or I have to, look this way or have to post this thing. And it's just like, what do you actually want to do? And yeah. like asking those questions to yourself and then giving an answer from yourself, having a full internal dialogue on your own, away from everybody else. And then being like, you know what? I've fully come to a conclusion on my own and I don't want to do these things or I want to do these things, but my way and totally being okay with that. That's a very scary, very vulnerable thing to do. But as I'm learning in my in my midlife crisis, my quarter life crisis, <laughs> that there is some power and there is some um, strength and vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. I feel mm-hmm. too. I th- maybe we're uh, we're. I feel fortunate because I've rarely had to have like a corporate job or any of those things. But mm. so many people rush into life being like, yeah. I gotta go to fucking college and I gotta get that job. You gotta and I'm go like, through the thing, yeah. It's all unnatural to me. Like an, I've yeah. worked one very corporate job. I did it for a year and eight months and I was just like, I was like, this is gonna kill me. Like this is shell of a person. spiritually, it's not like just psychologically, everything about it is not normal. And I'm like, no wonder 100%. why people are like do horrible things (laughs) it's true it's because i think in the design of like that whole nine to five corporate like that corporate life it's like it fully doesn't feed it doesn't nourish you spiritually it's like your whole life is such a rigid design of somebody else's clock you're not working for anybody other than person person higher up to you it's also just a system built for and by capitalism to kind of feed into that narrative of you are like you are essentially a product and we can and will replace you if you stop doing this thing i i think the coolest thing i've seen in this whole pandemic is the amount of entrepreneurial spirit just come from young people be like fuck this i'm gonna go start that thing i've been wanting to do it's like even i feel that internally it's like I, 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 after, after losing all my jobs, I was like, yeah, I kind of just want to work for me all the time. Like I just want to do and be my own boss and like make my own businesses and like make jobs for myself. Someone hires me. I'm like, okay, but I want to do this though. I want to do this and you should pay me this because (laughs) I I offer this amount of value. It's a bit of an obnoxious thing to kind of teeter on, but like knowing one's worth and knowing where I can be, useful and understanding that is powerful and if it means i don't work a a basic job and just 
hate myself. And if my hours are more sporadic and if I have a lot more life in between that, then so be it. It means I'm doing something I want to do and I'm doing it effectively and not having to be on for eight hours, even when I don't feel on. I've often chosen to be broke and like struggling, but with free time. Cause to me, like that was more valuable than like being flush and like, Oh, I don't, what I have a suit in case somebody gets married or dies. That's all I fucking need. (laughs) Right. It's like the thing about money is it's like, it's something you can always earn. It's something you can always make. It's something you can sell shit. You can, you can go work a job for five months, but then you can quit and you don't owe anybody anything when you're working for them, especially in something part-time or something that's like, if I'm not here, you're going to hire somebody else. So it's like, I've worked so many shitty jobs in my life. I worked at a call center and I was like looking around, like there are people like, Oh, I've been here for two years. I'm like how like, <laughs> for eight hours a day, you're reading this script and you're like trying to pitch people in America. Yeah. You should go to school. And I'm like, this is fucked up because yeah. these people want jobs. And then here I am a Canadian being like, Hey, I saw that you were looking for a job, but you also said you were interested in maybe going back to school at some point. I want to send a bunch of colleges your way to, you know, apply. It's like, no, that's not fair. That's not cool. It's like people want to find work. And then I, I have a very biased opinion about call center. Jobs. Oh, I've done it. It's, it's, and I so always sucking. feel bad when they call when the because I'm like I know you're suffering, but yeah. you also just interrupted my dinner, motherfucker. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's like, look, is this what you want to do? I want you to hang up the phone and I want you to go look in the mirror right now. <laughs> I should just start therapizing people that call. Like, hold up, hold up. Are you happy right now? <laughs> I'm gonna give you a free life lesson. Get out of that job you're at right now. Yeah, yeah. Something. I mean, I've taken a lot of jobs just to get through weird times, and but, of course, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, just the people who spend their lives. I, I mean, I just think that that's fear, and I think, like you said, capitalism. Yeah. It's like we're so in, it's so ingrained in our heads because, like, especially in Los Angeles, people are like, "So, what do you do?" Like, that is a quick question, or "What yeah. are you working on?" And when I first moved here, that would cause panic because i was like oh yeah what if i'm not doing enough or the right thing or i'm not right. succeeding and it was like after a while i was like boy this is exhausting and f- yeah meaningless it's all ego garbage yeah <laughs> it's so bullshit and even today it's like i've been putting in so much time and effort into music and projects and stuff i still feel like i can't come out and be like oh yeah i'm a musician or i'm an artist and i do that and i get paid for that or I make some money from that because i think the world will look at me like Oh, okay. So, like, what, no, what's your what's your real job? Like, yeah. like what, what do you mean? What's my real job? Like, what is a real job? Um, and I, I think this whole pandemic has also just shown like how fake a lot of things are. Like, the concept of money as a whole, it's like people have literally fabricated money in in a bit currency and been like, here's a Dogecoin worth this amount of money. People are like, yep, here it is. I'm paying into yeah. it. It's like money is so fucking fake, and though like. The fact that people throw their whole lives and chase it throughout the whole, like, dude, there's so much other shit. There's so much other shit to, like, pay attention to. I just really just want to, I don't know. It's like, I used to want to be, like, wildly famous and all that stuff. And, like, Mm. I don't know. I'm just like, I just want to be happy. And I want to. Yeah. That sounds great. Keep food in the fridge. That's it. That's That's it. I don't. I don't. 
I just don't no, want to like bag groceries more. when I'm 80. That's, you know, I just that's, <laughs> don't want to. That's totally it. Just like, you know, you want to just live a life that you can look back and not feel like you have shame and guilt about. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> and you're, you've like been like very excited to talk about your stories. I just want to have stories and I want to have memories and I want to have just like a cool experience of this human lifetime that we have because, you know, if and what I, whatever I come back into, I want to be able to, you know, know that in this lifetime I did the best I could. So, um, yeah, I want to do. I do want to talk about uh, some days because a that's yeah reason what uh, I, which that's I love. I love your music. I didn't say that you. at the top, but I really like the first time I heard it. I don't even remember how I came across you, but I was just like instantly grabbed. And it is its own unique thing, which I also... Wow, thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. Uh, When you... Because that was like old songs that you revisited, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. you've talked about this a lot, so I apologize, but I... Hey, no worries. (laughs) No worries at all, you know? I'm interested in, like, what that is like, like... Because if you sometimes you create something from a specific emotion and period of time mm-hmm. in your life, and to go back and revisit that, I was just was curious if that, what if that like triggered certain emotions, or was that what was it like to go down those roads again a second time or third? Yeah, it was. I think I tried to use that time to like tap into myself in that creative headspace because at that time I was like bursting with creativity. Like I was just like doing all the ideas. I was writing a bunch. I was writing every day essentially. I was like, I am at a place where I'm like, I need, I need to make new music and I want to make new music, but I'm like, I also just need to give myself a win. I need to like tap into something that was like, just kind of had that honed in and uh, knew what was going on and like yeah I think going back and looking at those songs was just like a way to just kind of pay homage to a younger version of myself and be like you know what I was a bit of a fuck but like I've grown up and like I've, I've learned a lot in this time seeing that that uh, that growth I think was what I needed and that's almost why I wanted to go back and work on some days. And I think from going back and working on some days, um, it, I felt my mind was going even further in like certain places creatively. Like I was like, Oh man, thinking a lot about childhood, thinking a lot about, um, a lot because, you know, at the time, like back in 2019, like I, I had lost my mom in, in like November. I'm sorry to um, hear that. Hey, no worries at all. No worries at all. Um, but yeah, I lost my mom and I was just like thinking about just life and thinking about the now, the past, what the future looks like. And then COVID hit. And I was really fortunate to just have that time to not do anything. I was just like, you know what? this is perfect. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go out. And I just want to have time. I just wanted to have some time to think. So going back to working on some days was a cool way to being like, you know, this was a, an interesting point of time where I felt very much in that loss place as well. Like I didn't think I, I didn't see the past or future or the present. It was just like, I don't know where I am. And I think I was connecting to that in a weird way as well. Like I, feel like a kid again or a younger version of myself but i wanted to almost pivot that mindset and be like you know what rather than just feeling that way maybe seeing how i've grown from that as well that's really cool and that's Mm -hmm. uh i've lost a parent as well so i know what that i'm sorry 
uh, yeah, I, and I mean, mine was also years ago, and it's it's always, you know, as when you are on both sides of it, like I'm like, is there a way to address that when someone says it? Because it's also sometimes you just want to say it and move on. Of course, and yeah, like, it, without making it, but it's also it's a fact of your life, and uh, you, you also people feel like they have to say something. It's such a complex it situation is a weird thing, and it's like especially with people that you know very much have not experienced a severe loss like that. They, I, if I had met a person who lost their parent or lost anyone like of significant value, I never know how to react either. But like now, you know, being that person who has lost a, a significant person in their life, it's just like, I, I think it is just like a, a touching go. It's like, we, like, I think we spend so much time trying to, or at least my experience with grief is like finding that healthy middle, not thinking about it too much, but also giving it time and like honoring that, that time I think yeah. about it and finding that healthy balance. Cause like, I think, you know what, here's a good place where all some guilt and shame stem from like <laughs> early, early on. And, you know, like maybe like last year I felt bad that I wasn't feeling like harder on myself about the loss of my mom. And I was just like, Oh man, I should be like a wreck. I should be sad and crying or whatever. But it's like, I'm just so tired from life because we're in this pandemic and I still have to be moving and doing all these things. And yeah, I think there were so many weird emotions in that time. And uh, yeah, I feel like last year I was like such a weird, I was just such a weird version of myself. Like I, in a lot of ways, I, I was like, 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 I felt like I was like so old internally. Like I felt like I was just like, cause I had been, I pretty much been the, the person that had to deal with like all the ambassador work of like my mom's estate. So I was like, I'm, I feel so fucking old right now. And I feel like I'm just being a, a shithead to some people that don't deserve it. And I'm just, and we're in a pandemic. It was just so much. And I, I think it's a lot. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Looking back at even last year, I was like, I I feel completely different and I'm like constantly seeing and paying closer attention to whatever growth occurs. And I'm like, this is wild. This whole thing has just been rapidly aging us like insanely. Yeah. I, it's too with death. It's like, I feel like, man, they got it right in New Orleans. Like when somebody, they just, it's a big celebration. I'm like, why yeah, can't we all get that. on board with that? Like, that's how I don't, I want it. <laughs> it's like, I don't want yeah, people. That's, that's exactly it. Like I, I, I really, cause like sadness and crying. It's like, I, I really want to be a person that if I feel those emotions, like I feel like I need to cry or really want to cry. I will do that. But as a, I, I'm not a huge crier, so like I think in those in those times, you know, like I, I, it is almost like a celebration of life, and it's like this is a loss of a person, but it's like the start of something else. It's like they lived, they had a life, and you know, it's sad that they're gone, but like they're, they're it's done, and they they had a chance at the human experience, and that's amazing. You know, they lived a long life, and they brought a lot of joy to people and all that stuff. And that is somewhat of a celebration in a way. Yeah. I mean, fuck to be a person. Could you imagine if you like, you know, Van Morrison will die and people will be like, ah, good, good. You know, <laughs> a couple of good songs, but what a prick. Like that's what who wants fuck. the fuck goes out that way. Like, yeah, that's horrible. It's like, you know, like, 
Legacy is such a stupid thing. It's such a, <laughs> it's such a stupid thing. It's like if you've been around and you've had so many opportunities to do good, good things and you just fuck it up. Fuck your legacy. Like, you've, you've yeah. wasted the chance that you had and the influence that you've been given and all that stuff. You fucked up. So. Yeah. Ugh. You fucked up. You fucked up, man. <laughs> well, I want to thank you very much for your time. I really, I had a feeling this was going to be great and fun, so I appreciate your your uh, time. I appreciate you, and I'm, I'm so happy we're finally able to do this. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with the Wire. Please become a Patreon subscriber if you like. Also, subscribe to the show on your iTunes or what have you not, and tell your friends about the show. That would mean a lot to me. As well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or thematdwire.com or Conversations with the Wire at the Instagram, and you could learn more about the show, buy merch, and all those great things. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>